0: The Dobbs decision may have overruled Roe v. Wade, but it certainly didn't make abortion illegal throughout America, and it has far from finished the abortion conversation throughout the states. Today, I'm joined by Trevor Polo of Protect Life Michigan as we discuss what a potential constitutional amendment might do to send Michigan to the very top of abortion havens in America. Tune in now. Hi folks, my name is Cam. I'm the host of the Pro-Life Guys podcast and welcome to the show. This is a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools and information that you need to change minds, save lives and transform culture. Often that pivots around apologetics and conversation skills, how to have meaningful conversations with friends, coworkers, colleagues, family members, whomever they may be, Um, and sometimes we have to talk about politics and what is happening um, in Canada, in America, around the world, because this is often our starting point for conversation. Often, how we get that entry point into having a meaningful conversation about whether or not abortion is an appropriate solution to challenging pregnancies that mothers and fathers are faced with, oftentimes those conversations come about because our friends, our coworkers, our colleagues, whomever they may be, bring up things like the proposed constitutional amendment in Michigan. Michigan for a long time has been a very, very interesting state um, in that they have some very effective pro-life legislation already um, in effect, even before the fall of Roe versus Wade, as we'll talk about through the episode. I've got a 24-hour waiting period um, for somebody who um, seeks an abortion. There has to be a minimum of 24 hours between booking the appointment and having the procedure done on their child. Um, There has to be parental consent for anybody younger, under the age of 18, I believe. Um, And there's some lots of support for mothers and families. And and the pastoral arm of the pro-life movement is very strong in Michigan as well. I'm sure that I'm missing stuff that, that is active in Michigan too. Uh, late-term abortions are banned after after the stage of viability, 21, 22 weeks, kind of thing. Um, no abortions can be performed, and the trigger law that went into effect at the overturning of Roe v.ersus Wade was actually a reversion back to a provision that was put in, I believe, in 1931, um, which ultimately banned a, a ton of abortions. As we're going to get into, Trevor's going to bring us up to speed on that, and that's what this episode is all about: understanding what is going on in Michigan in case it comes up in conversation, so that you're knowledgeable about what is happening. And if you, as we'll get into at the end of the episode, um, if you have any opportunity to help out, to support the cause going in Michigan, this is going to be the first of many dominoes, and the direction that it falls will very likely impact the rest of the states throughout America as well. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Trevor Polo from Protect Life Michigan. All right, folks. Trevor, thanks a ton for for joining the program. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. It is my pleasure. This is really cool. I have I've been more familiar with Protect Life Michigan and everything that's happening in Michigan, largely because one of my intern alumni, Rebecca Punches, is on <laughs> staff with Protect Life Michigan, and so I've had the opportunity to stay in the loop with what she's up to. And there's a ton going on in Michigan. We're going to dive very deep into that as this conversation unfolds. But I I wonder, for the sake of our audience, we have audience people, uh, audience members, I guess, audience people, whatever, uh, tuning in from um, across Canada, across the states, around the world. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you find yourself in the middle of this Proposal 3 back and forth happening in Michigan since the fall of Roe versus Wade with the Dobbs decision in June. I'm sure it's been a wild ride where do you fit into this entire abortion <laughs> conversation happening in Michigan right now? Yeah,
1: yeah, thanks so much. So um, basically, uh, I'm with Protect Life Michigan, and we are an activism focused um, group uh, uh, focused in on working with high school, college, and young professionals across the state of Michigan. So we've got um, about 20, so 23, I think, so, or so chapters on college campuses, all the major universities. And then we work with about 40 high schools as well. And we work with these young people to train them to be pro-life apologists and pro-life activists, to change the culture in the state of Michigan, to to recognize the the violent nature um, of abortion on the most innocent victims in our state. Um, So uh, historically, what that's looked like? Is our group has been out there doing very similar works to ccbr where we're doing um outreach on the streets on college campuses in community centers um, on social media trying to start a constructive dialogue on abortion and have um have that dialogue uh with pro-choice people build uh, effective arguments and ultimately change hearts and change minds on this issue um, with the goal of saving as many lives as possible um, And that's been really, uh, uh, really exciting to be able to partner with groups like CCBR and have you guys come in and train us and, and, and create an equal uh, in, in the states as well, working closely with them. And um, it's been, I think, preparing us for what's happening this year right now in Michigan, because we developed this, this army of activists that some of them now are in their 30s or 40s and they've been working with us for 10, 15 plus years. And we've learned how to talk about this issue in a persuasive way. So when we heard about Proposal Three, um, uh, or this ballot initiative uh, that's going to be coming up in Michigan, um, our immediate thought was, we can go and we can battle this th- against this proposal in a winsome, um, persuasive way, targeted at the the middle moderate uh, voter who is not a fan of abortion, might still want to see it legalized, um, in some cases at least, but definitely will recognize the radical nature of Proposal 3 and will be an easy flip to, to defeat this.
0: Gotcha. I love it. I, I guess um, I'm, I'm kind of piecing things together in my mind. I'll, let's talk a little bit more about how these conversations are unfolding. But but since you yeah. brought it up, tell me a little bit about, about what Proposal 3 on this ballot that'll be voted on on um, November 8th entails. Th- this, obviously, for anyone who is familiar with it, is, is a pretty big deal. Bring the listeners who might not be super familiar with Proposal 3 up to speed on what it actually entails.
1: So uh, Proposal 3 is going to be voted on by Michigan um, voters this fall, November 8th. And if it passes, it will amend the state constitution um, with... The most radical pro-abortion law, essentially, uh, of any of the 50 states, including states like California, New York, things like that. Um, And that's really concerning because, obviously, being a part of our Constitution, that supersedes some of the laws that we have in place. A lot of the laws that are very common sense laws that are there to protect women and protect children. Um, So some of the things that are in Proposal 3, um, it doesn't get any restrictions on abortion through, through all nine months um it uh doesn't um allow discrimination of of protection of abortion rights based on age so our law on parental consent for example making sure that if a child is seeking a surgical abortion that their parents have to be notified would be repealed um it protects anyone that is involved with the uh the abortion procedure even if they're non-doctors performing abortions so all this concern about oh dangerous back alley abortions they would be legally protected by this constitutional amendment forever in the state of Michigan. And what's really concerning is that, you know, obviously these things are, whether you're pro-life or you're pro-choice, these are radical and extreme things that are being put forward, but it's being put forward under the the disguise of restore Roe, restore what was normal for 50 years. And given the, what's going on this year, that is something that it is um, a, a, can be an easy sell for some voters. They, they see the headlines, they see the reaction of, of the Dobbs decision, and they're like, oh, that's so moderate. That's normal. Restore Roe. I can get behind that. But in the language itself, it goes way beyond what, what Roe uh, allowed.
0: Gotcha. Thank, thank you for, for bringing us up to speed. I, I know that uh, many of the provinces in Canada here have often looked towards Michigan with some of the, the entry level, what, what kind of legislation could we pass on a provincial level and looking at something, yeah, like a 24 hour waiting period mm-hmm. of you need to have that, that space to actually process what is happening in your life. Because as you and I would both know, and anyone who's actively involved in talking to people about abortion for many people who experience challenging or, or unplanned pregnancies, it's a matter of uh, devastating news. And how do I put the genie back in the bottle? How do I close Pandora's box? How do I cope with all of this? And that 24-hour waiting period for many people allows them that space to actually talk with their spouse, with their family, with their whomever they, they might need to, their church family, whatever it may be. And figure out that that maybe this is doable maybe this is manageable things like the parental consent that you mentioned as as, again something we've talked about here in alberta canada over and over and over again about how um, regardless of whether somebody wants access to abortion those who don't want access to abortion shouldn't be paying for it or that minors shouldn't be accessing it when when minors can't receive a a Tylenol or an Advil from a school nurse but can be um, sent down to the abortion clinic And so I'm curious, based on all of the—obviously, Michigan hasn't been exactly where you wanted. I mean, we'd love for Michigan to be entirely abortion-free, but bearing in mind the very, like you mentioned, common-sense legislation that is present, what have the conversations been like? You guys have been out doing door-knocking. You've been out on campuses. You've been talking to people with all of this in the mix, with all of the hysteria going on. How have you found the conversations? Do you find that people are are becoming tethered and and kind of you're able to to talk them down off the ledge? Do you find that people are are stuck in in their ways and and they just got the blinders on? What have the conversations been like? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think that's been the really encouraging thing is
1: that you know this year has been a whirlwind um, from you know the high uh, in June when Roe was overturned and we're popping champagne in the backyard like it. It was awesome, and then a few weeks later, they turned in these signatures to get this on the ballot, and it immediately was back to the grind and and trying to uh, uh, make sure this doesn't pass. So it's been a lot. What's been really encouraging has been the conversations themselves, because when we're going, we're specifically, our group in particular, is targeting pro-choice voters. We're going after the moderate pro-choice person who says, you know, if we ask them what their thoughts on abortion, they're going to say something to the fact of, I don't like abortion. I think it needs to be available for a few reasons, you know, the extreme circumstances um, that women might find themselves in or the health of the woman or life of the woman, obviously. Um, but I don't want to see abortion as a birth control. I don't want to see late from abortion. And I don't want to say women in-, in danger when they seek abortion. So when we go to these doors, that's that's the that's the meat of who we're talking to. That, that's, that's the bulk of the, the voter that we're interacting with. And, what's really important for them when in, in those conversations to understand is that this is an extreme form of abortion. And just like they don't want to see an extreme ban on abortion necessarily, um, as, as a pro-choice person, they aren't comfortable with an extreme permission on abortion either. Um, so when we're talking to people and we're talking about, um, our coalition of groups, some of the, our people that we're going out door to door with are pro-choice. They do want to see abortion legal, but they recognize the danger that this amendment is, and we're able to talk about um, uh, you know, it's wrong to treat abortion um, uh, in this extreme way, even if you're pro-choice, this goes way too far. And we're seeing when we're actually able to talk to someone about what's in this amendment and what it does, the vast majority of voters will commit to voting no on the spot, on their doorstep, um, and it's turned this really into a numbers game. Who can talk to the most voters about what's in this amendment, because um, whoever does Uh, can can win this thing. Um, And I think the other side knows that, which is why they've been really hesitant to share the text of the amendment, for example, um, until a few weeks ago. It wasn't on their website at all since February. Um, There's a loud enough cry for them to get it out there. So they did put it on, but it's hidden away in the FAQ um, on a page, um, not easily easy to find. So we're taking the opposite track and we put it on our front page of our website, on our landing page. We reference it in all of our literature. We highlight where our claims are coming from because the text itself um, speaks to the radical nature of this
0: amendment. Gotcha. That that's so useful for everyone to know that that this isn't a matter of the pro-lifers trying to parade on mm-hmm. from the Dobbs decision, but rather it. And and I'm really fascinated um, about the coalition that you guys have been building. Obviously, I know that you guys are probably collaborating with traditional pro-life groups like the Knights of Columbus, like uh, Michigan mm-hmm. Pro-Life, and whatever else. But I I'm fascinated. Um, and maybe there's a rabbit trail that that I shouldn't be pursuing, but you know what? It's my podcast, so I get to pursue it. Um, as I will tell me a little bit more about the coalition. And the people that you are getting to work with, that, that is it people that have been politically active in other realms that you didn't necessarily see yourself shoulder to shoulder with? Is it people coming out of the woodwork that have never been politically active before? Who, who's part of these, these teams of door knockers going out? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. So like, yeah, you have, you have the stalwarts there. You have right to life. You have Knights of Columbus. You have the Catholic conference. You have all these groups that you'd expect to be a part of this, obviously. Um, most of our coalition is fairly apolitical though. Um, so I, we go out knocking doors with people who describe themselves as progressive pro-lifers, people who are on the far left um, of of the political spectrum that usually feel pretty isolated where they're at, but they're out knocking doors against this. Um, there are people that are out knocking doors that that have um, exceptions for abortion and things like that and 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 um, are part of this coalition um and they're able to communicate just clearly why we should vote against this amendment as any one of us um they're the democrats for life are part of our um coalition so they're they're reaching out to left-leaning um uh, individuals in a targeted way to talk about how we sh- no industry should be without should define its own regulation the oil and gas industry should not define its own regulation the gun industry should not define its own regulation but this amendment would allow the abortion industry To define its own health and safety standards and how they should be treating women which no other industry or healthcare professional uh, should be allowed to do and those messages are really resonating for people because it can't just be pro-lifers talking about uh, to other pro-lifers about how bad this amendment is we need to be able to communicate to people who have um, different views on, on a broad range of issues who would normally vote for a a progressive or pro-choice candidate but can recognize the radical nature and be able to split their ticket essentially and say i'm voting democrat or i'm voting uh, green party or whatever it is but this amendment is too extreme
0: that's so cool and uh, and that's one of the the coolest parts of the pro-life movement i mean even even i mean we're not even close to that degree of collaboration here in in canada because we haven't had the political press necessarily that um, has come up, buddy. I mean, I think my colleague Alex Van one of my best friends, um, a, a Netherlands Reformed Congregation Calvinist Protestant, and myself, a Catholic, and we probably never would have crossed paths until getting unified under the pro life cause. And and I'm sure that it makes for very spicy conversations on your way to <laughs> activism and after activism and all that yep. kind of thing. And when you're sitting in the I don't know whether you guys are Burger King people or wherever you would be after you're done a shift, but like I can only imagine the conversations that ensue afterwards as you're talking about whether or not being a Democrat for life is a contradiction in terms, yeah. or whether that's the best middle path, or whatever it may be. But that's so cool that you guys are able to come together on something so important here. Um, yeah, yeah, and and so based on that, I, I guess we're gonna start moving towards. I mean, the meat and potatoes of this, of how people can get involved to help make sure that um, Proposal 3 doesn't get passed on the ballot, um, but maybe bring our audience up to speed a little bit about Michigan itself and, and kind of the culture of Michigan because I, I find it interesting um, having people understand. I mean, especially as a Canadian, I, I look at the stage and I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're looking at pro-life states like Ohio and, and Oklahoma. We're looking at pro-abortion states like California and New York. Mm-hmm. For a guy like me, I I don't have a very clear understanding about the culture of Michigan. And I, I know that it can always be tainted. I, I don't know if you're a Michigan man born and raised, um, if you're an import or whatnot. I I chuckle when so I'm from Victoria, British Columbia, growing up, which is kind of like the... Um, it's not even the liberal hub of Canada. It's kind of like the NDP or Green Party hub of Canada. It's about <laughs> as left-wing as you can possibly get. So I come here to Alberta and it's like a a conservative, um, not quite a utopia, but but much closer to that than Victoria. And everyone's like, oh, Alberta's the most liberal pro- province in Canada somehow, or Lethbridge is the most liberal city in all of Canada. N- give me give me some kind of um perspective on generally speaking, has Michigan kind of just been a swing state? Is it something that you would anticipate that if if no pro-choice advocates and no pro-life advocates went out there and there's no campaigning whatsoever, would this be a dead draw? Would this is it already leaning towards abortion advocates? Is it already leaning towards pro-lifers? And you're just trying to um, keep them there? I, I think. I mean, the the one that comes to my mind is the referendum in, in Ireland a couple of years ago, and how that was a, a largely pro-life community that have been slipping away for a long time towards the pro-abortion worldview um where is michigan at when it comes to their culture and what the everyday person i know that you've touched on already is at on the abortion issue
1: yeah yeah michigan's kind of a, a a really interesting state politically um historically it was really developed uh Uh, The the politics in Michigan were really driven by unions, um, kind of blue blue collar um, Democrats um, out of the auto industry and things like that. So the UAW still has a a really strong foothold. Unions are really strong, um, uh, similar to a lot of other Midwestern states like uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, things like that. Um, What's interesting is that though Michigan and, and a lot of those states historically have had a really strong um, left leaning preference on, on national elections, um, uh, voting for generally we we are going to vote for the Democratic candidate. For example, it was a, a we did uh, it did go to Trump in twenty sixteen, um, which was very unexpected. Um, uh, previous to that, it, it had been since I think the nineties so the last time we voted for Republican president. So the landscape here is uh democratic but it is not the same type of uh left-leaning progressive um vote that is going to be represented on the coasts of america like new york and california and things like that um the the democrat in michigan is um a uh, very much like a blue-collar democrat someone who um, is Catholic, goes to church, um, uh, It has a strong union vote necessarily, but does not um, generally go all the way towards that progressive end of the spectrum necessarily, um, which means that it puts the pro-life movement um, or the abortion issue, I guess, in a really tight battle because you have a lot of people that vote Democratic reliably and put Democrats in power that can drive you know policy and decision-making and things like that, especially at the national level. When the voters themselves do not share that same um, uh, ideology necessarily with the people that they elect, Um, because we have the two party system, and you have to choose Democrat or Republican, a lot of times that happens where we elect people that don't represent necessarily the votes of of, of the voters, uh, or the ideology of the voters they elect them. So it it puts this abortion issue as one of those key um, battles that, that we're waging. So as far as the pro-life movement in Michigan, it's very, very strong. Um, We have a a lot of really strong pro-life laws that we were able to pass under the the um, Roe framework, basically. Um, We even had a ban on abortion that was triggered by the Dobbs decision that um, was the strongest ban on abortion in the United States because it was put into place in 1931. And it was actually reaffirmed Um, after the Roe decision by the Michigan Supreme Court um, as being a valid Michigan law, obviously superseded by the Roe decision, but it was the only ban on abortion after Roe fell to be upheld by a state Supreme Court. So when Roe fell, that law was poised to become the strongest and most defendable, basically, law in the country. Um, which made uh, Michigan the target, I think, leading up to the Dobbs decision for this referendum, for example. Which is why national money is being poured in by the ACLU and Planned Parenthood in Michigan because they're they're bringing they're bringing this idea. They're saying, all right, it's back to the states, which means we need to get abortion rights into the constitution of every of all fifty states to preserve that right um, uh, for women. And Michigan has the strongest battle to fight, is also a a swing state, does have, you know, um, is generally, it is going to be a pro-choice state. If you pull people in Michigan, they're going to lean more pro-choice than Kansas or Texas or anything like that. But um, if they can win in Michigan, they're going to skip right over into Ohio and they're going to skip right over into Indiana who have aggressive abortion um, policies that have been put in place. They're going to go from state to state, kind of like island hopping in World War II. They're going to gonna state hop across the United States until they get a, a, this really firm um, constitutional um, defense of abortion rights basically in
0: place. Gotcha, gotcha. I know that you've talked about um, how vibrant the pro-life movement is in yeah. Michigan. Um, and I know that you also mentioned that, that your focus, obviously, is the door-to-door, the everyday um, person living in Detroit, or Detroit's the only city that I know in Michigan. Uh, Lansing, <laughs> I think. Detroit, Lansing, yeah, I, I know those two. Um, I was a big Red Wings fan growing up, and so I, I know a little bit about that. Um, and, and I know that, that we're not out here to do name-calling. I'm just curious, the pro-lifers that you're talking to at the doorstep, are they taking this seriously or do you find that this is like you're trying to help them understand that that this is big? This is going to be something that is going to, like you mentioned, set the tone for America. It's going to be really difficult to overhaul this. Do you find that, that there's pro-lifers that are responding with a, you know, that this is... Fear mongering. It's not going to be that bad, kind of thing. Or do you find that most pro-lifers that you end up talking to at a doorstep are already aware of just how monumental this um, this election is going to be?
1: Yeah, I think. I think. Um, there, there's definitely a mix. It's getting a lot better now because there were a lot of people when, when row fell that were able to take that big sigh and, we, and just like mm-hmm. I, we accomplished and we should have, like we accomplished something really, really great is the work of people for literally decades that set up yeah. the, that prepared this, for, uh, this year um, for what happened. Um, so a lot of people were, were feeling very, um, very good at that point um and some people even thought like oh we've got our trigger law in place abortion now is 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 banned in michigan we're we're a pro-life state finally after five decades of being a, 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 an abortion haven um and to to shake people out of that you know might have taken a little while um there was a lot of hope that they wouldn't be able to get their signature there's a lot of hope that the signatures would be invalidated in the review process and things like that um the so there was always this little bit of hope, but everyone, I think, is, is really united um, right now on this point that this is really dangerous. And when we talk to those people on the doorsteps and they're pro-life, they understand the impl- implications of this, the the supremacy of the Constitution, of um, uh, something like this being added to the Constitution is very concerning because people have nuanced opinions sometimes about, about the issue of abortion, and people recognize that. And if this becomes part of our Constitution... Your nuance on this issue doesn't matter anymore. It's out of your hands forever. It doesn't matter who you elect, what you who you donate to, who who you advocate for, and campaign for. Yeah, uh, all we're stuck with the most radical abortion policy in the country, potentially for decades to come.
0: Yeah, because uh, I'm sure I I don't know the particulars. I don't know even if you know the particulars of of. Overturning a constitutional amendment um, at the state level, you got to be looking at some kind of a supermajority or something. I mean, it's not like this is going to get decided the next general election kind of thing. This, like you said, is going to be decades in the unmaking. That's fair to say, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know the uh, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood paid almost ten million dollars just to just to get their signatures for, for mm. this amendment, let alone the actual campaign effort they have to do now from July through, through the election. Um, there are you know legislative ways around it, which require either two-thirds or three-quarters majority, uh, supermajority, which is um, practically speaking impossible um, for us to get along with the governorship and everything, obviously. Um, so then the only other recourse would be some sort of federal um, action, which also at this point, practically speaking, is, is beyond possibility. Um, so it is a, like a burn the ships moment right now in in the pro life movement in Michigan.
0: Absolutely, gotcha. So let's dive into it. How, what do we do? What what happens yeah. between now and November eighth? And and I'm sure that we can talk. We'll do another episode after November eighth, depending on whatever the outcome. But like I, yeah. I I'm sure I had three three different categories of people come to my mind. People who are already in Michigan and can have mm-hmm. boots on the ground, people outside of Michigan who can come and put boots on the ground for a limited amount of time, and people yep. either inside of Michigan or outside of Michigan who might not be able to put boots on the ground and door knock per se, but might be able to help out in other ways. Talk me through yep. how each of those three categories of people can help.
1: Yeah. So um, uh, the way that the, uh, this amendment is set up is if you pull the average person in Michigan, you say, hey, do you want abortion to be legal um, in the state? About six out of ten people are going to say yes, but as soon as you start saying, "Do you want late-term abortion, repealed parental consent, and non-doctors being able to aid or uh, perform abortion?" that uh, support drops immediately. Um, because we're we're while we're a pro-choice state, we are not a radically pro-choice state. Um, so what we need, to, what needs to happen, is our messaging needs to get in front of every single voter many times to make sure that the radical nature of this this proposal is clear to them. Um, so they know to reject it, even that even if they're pro-choice, they know to reject this amendment. Um, so the way people can do that, if they're in the state of Michigan, obviously, um, they're able to join us as we go in canvas. We're targeting persuadable voters. We're not targeting radically pro-choice or radically pro-life voters. We're going to the doorsteps of the people that're in that kind of mushy middle that we that we talk about where, They're very movable on radical abortion, even if they want to preserve some abortion access. Those are the people we're talking to, and when we talk to them over and over again, we're able to confirm their no vote. So absolutely want you all to join in on our effort to reach hundreds of thousands of those voters over the next four to six weeks, really. Um, Absentee voting starts next week. So it is really, really important, since about 50% of our ballots are gonna be early voting, that we get out there as quickly as possible at this point. here in the state, that absolutely do that. We do have some groups that are coming and aiding us from like Ohio and Indiana and things like that. So if you're if you're able to get here and, and join us, we'll plug you in immediately. We definitely need as much support as we can pop, possibly get um, to reach as many people as possible. Um, we will never reach enough voters. Um, there will always be someone else that we need to talk to or follow up with. So um, we'll, we're working with a couple of groups that are coming in um, uh, to help us uh, over the next few weeks. Um, so if you're able to reach out to us, I'll give you our our information, but reach out to us and we'll be happy to coordinate with you. If you're not able to come canvas with us, um, uh, or you're in a state and can't get here or whatever, um, there's a couple things you can do. One, um, we need people that are able to, um, help fund some of the messaging that we're doing. So, um, the, the lit needs to be bought, the ads need to be aired, the, the digital ads need to be placed. All of that takes, you know, a lot. obviously a lot of money um, to be able to compete with Planned Parenthood. Right now, um, our governor is running for re-election on the abortion platform, and just her herself has amassed about $45 million for her, her re-election campaign. And um, a lot of that is going to be uh, a pro-abortion messaging tying her campaign and proposal three together. Um, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood is is reportedly um, pledging another ten to twenty million dollars that they're going to uh, advertise with. Um, so we need to raise money to to uh, make a, a competitive ad buy, basically um, across the state. So money, boots on the ground. Um, if you're if you're unable to walk uh, from door to door with us all the time, there are phone calls and text messages and emails and social media posts and yard signs. Anything that, that will help make sure that people know that this, this amendment is radical and extreme. The biggest thing I want to make sure everyone knows is we, we have a message that works. And the message is this is too extreme for Michigan. This, uh, this allows abortion through all nine months. It repeals parental consent and it repeals health and safety standards for women. Um, if we can get that message out to every voter in the state of Michigan through these efforts, then we, we um, can absolutely defeat this proposal um, on November 8th. So if you can help with any of that, I'll just plug the website. You can go to stopabortionextremism.com um, and you can read the text of the amendment yourself and see the backup for the claims they're making, the sources and everything. And you can sign up at the bottom um, and we'll reach out to
0: you and get you connected with the appropriate uh, person to, to get you involved. Love it. I'll drop that in the description below. Uh, you touched on it already. Um, for somebody who says, you know what? I would love to get involved, but I feel completely unprepared. I have no idea what I would say at a doorstep. I have no idea what I'm going to say on the phone with one of these people. What if, what if the person who picks up is my coworker? What if the person who picks up is my aunt, whatever, um, Give me a nutshell. What what do you guys offer for training, support, talking points, yeah. whatever? Um, this is something that anybody can do, right? You don't need to be an expert apologist. You don't need to be a a seasoned veteran in the pro life movement. This is something that whether you're a a ninety five year old person in a home yeah. uh, care home that has access to your personal phone uh, right beside you, you can just crush phone calls all day. This is a a fourteen year old in high school who wants to make a difference, and anybody in between. Yeah. What what kind of support? What kind of training can you guys offer? Yeah,
1: so we've done that. We've done everything. We have created the process to onboard you as quickly as possible. Um, now, I do want to say you're your own worst enemy when you think about door knocking because in your mind you think it is going to be the worst thing that you can possibly imagine. And I, I understand it because it is an awkward thing. Like I don't want to be a door-to-door salesman. Like that's not my career. And part of that is because I don't like talking to strangers. Like uh, that's just something that like a lot of people don't feel comfortable with. And um, you know, the the best thing I can say is that we have hundreds and hundreds of people that have gone out and they've come back again. It's not as bad as, 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 as uh, we seem to think it's going to be. Um, people, ultimately, when you're on the door, they want to listen to you. They don't want you to stick around. Uh, they don't want to you know get into a 15, 20-minute conversation with you. They want you to get off their porch at some point. So those conversations are really easy. They're really quick um, and our messaging works. Um, so as far as training, if you sign up with us, We'll send you um, recorded training, or you can join uh, and do like a, a small group training if you have some people that, that you want to train together, for example, in person. Um, the training takes literally like 20 minutes. It's super easy. We have an app that tells you what houses to go to. These houses have already screened out people that are extremely pro-choice. Um, and then when we go up and knock on our door, the best thing is that we use um, pre-screening questions when we're starting our script. And if we start figuring out that this person is an absolute yes vote anyway. It's super easy to be like, well, thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day and walk away and move on to the next house that's a persuadable voter. Um, so we're not sticking around talking with anyone that's angry or mad or anything like that. Um, and when you show up for your first shift, you're going to shadow one of us. You're going to shadow us for a few houses. We're going to shadow you for a few houses. You're going to be comfortable after I typically three to seven houses, you're going to be a hundred percent ready to go. You'll be out with a buddy walking on each side of the street going forward. We have all the support you possibly need. Um, uh, You know, I realized I'm definitely asking everyone to do something that is uncomfortable. Um, I think in a lot of ways, that's what we're called exactly to do throughout most of our life is to be uncomfortable for justice. Um, And I just know that, you know, November 9th, I'm going to wake up whether we win or lose, obviously. And I know that like my voice is going to be tired. My feet are going to be sore, but I don't want to have any regrets about the part I played in this fight. Um, that's the worst thing that I can imagine is waking up wishing, I wish I did a little bit more to prevent this from happening, to save these tens of thousands, these hundreds of thousands of lives that are on the line right now. And I don't want anyone out there to have, uh, that regret on November 9th.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great way to to frame it, right? That that this is our opportunity to make a massive difference. And and I can't reiterate enough um, what, what you mentioned about door knocking, right? We do a ton of different projects. You guys do a ton of different projects, and each of them are valuable. I, I don't want to talk people out of doing campus activism. Absolutely. We need people doing campus activism for sure. But I would say that door knocking is a much lower starting point when it comes to who you're talking to because when you're out on the street corner or on a, on a campus holding a sign, the people who are engaging with you are often self-selecting. They are the people who have a more vibrant voice mm-hmm. on abortion, whether they're pro-life, whether they're supporting abortion. These are people who are looking at abortion and saying, hey, I have something I want to say about that. Whereas when you're going door to door, you're talking to the everyday person. You, they're not self-selecting. You're not just getting the people who have the time and energy and interest in debating a pro-lifer on a on a campus. You're talking to somebody who's just like you, just just a, a regular Joe or a regular Jill who, you know, what might not be motivated to vote in this. Maybe they say, "Well, I'm I'm vaguely pro-life, but I, I don't care enough to to really dig into this." Maybe there's somebody who's vaguely pro-choice and can be easily won over to, like you said, rejecting this extremism. I think that's fantastic. I think that's yeah. a great way to frame the entire thing am I missing anything is there anything else no, that we should be I, thinking about going into this?
1: yeah, I think you are exactly <laughs> right and and I think that like the big the the you think when you're going out and doing door knocking that the number one thing you're gonna hear is something angry or someone angry or someone mad or saying something mean or something like that that's what happens on the street uh, when you're doing street outreach yeah. maybe that has something you hear pretty often the number one thing that we are hearing from people on the doorstep is thank you literally people like we're having these conversations we're talking about what proposal three is. And as we're walking away, they're thanking us for doing what we're doing. They're thanking us for talking about this because abortion is a lot of people's number one issue going into the ballot box this year because of everything that's happened so far this year. And they want to be informed. They feel like there's a lot of deception and lies and things like that being put out about what what's happening. And they want to know what is going on. And when you have someone who's a reasonable person at your door mm-hmm. saying, hey, pro-life, pro-choice, look at how radical or extreme this is. I'm urging you to vote no, and you're able to point them to the resources, to the texts, the sources that are backing up your claims. The trust is there so easy, and people appreciate that. They thank you for that, um, and and you're able to, to be so much more effective than uh, you know posting on just social media or whatever. Like, like Those things play a part, obviously, but the number one thing you can do is have a face-to-face conversation with a likely voter about this proposal this fall.
0: All right, folks. You heard him. Now's the time. Eh? I'll, I'll roll out that classic. It's often given to Edmund Burke. I have no idea who actually said it. I know that Edmund Burke never said it, but if not now, then when? If not you, then who? Trevor, you're the man. Thank you for all the work that you're doing for Protect Life Michigan. Thank you for all the work that you're doing for pre-born children in the state of Michigan and across America and around the world because, like you said, November 8th, November 9th, this is going to have ripple effects everywhere else. If the pro-life movement can shut down the millions of dollars flowing in from Planned Parenthood and reject abortion, that's going to have shockwaves and that's going to embolden the pro-life movement across America and around the world. If Planned Parenthood trumps through and and rocks it and gets what they want, then like you said, it's just going to be the next island step over. So thanks a ton for everything you're doing. Thank you for the time um, spent with me on this program. And I wish you all the best and look forward, hopefully, to a bunch of Canadian support um, coming down to Michigan one way or another. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that was my conversation. Trevor Polo from Respect life Michigan um, protect life Michigan sorry not respect life Michigan protect life Michigan um, we're all we're all in this for the same thing whatever the um, <laughs> the titles are I I can certainly say that your the name of CCBR has been butchered by by countless people so I apologize Trevor and all those involved with protect life Michigan um, but I commend all of the incredible efforts that are happening down in this incredible state I know very little about the state as you heard through the conversation apart from the fact that uh, my childhood beloved Detroit Red Wings Um, where there is hard not to be a Red Wings fan when you're born in the 90s because to Steve Eisenman, Brennan Shanahan, um, Dynasty, uh, Chris Osgood in in net. um, It was a dynasty. There's no way around it. And um, it was very difficult to be a hockey fan and not appreciate the Detroit Red Wings. I digress. Thank you for, very much for tuning in. I hope that you enjoy the show. Check out the show notes for um, some of the info that we talked about through the episode. And I hope that you will check out more info, either prolifeguides.com, find us on YouTube, on all of your favorite podcatchers, whatever it may be, um, to get equipped so that together we can change minds, save lives, and transform culture. God bless y'all wherever you're at and how many hour, however many hours in the day there are left wherever you are. Thanks much and God bless. <laughs>